Well, hello and welcome to 2021, a new year for all of us and the third year of releasing the Instec London podcast, which just goes to show uh, either it's survival of the fittest or perseverance pays off. Matthew Grant here, one of the two partners at Instec London, and thank you again for joining us. Now, if this is your first time listening, well, we are, of course, delighted you could join us, but this is slightly different format to our usual interviews. Uh, typically, it's me talking to one or two people. Well, this time, we've got 20. Now, at this time of year, people tend to be making their predictions for the year ahead, very brave, uh, but given the surprises of the last year, wasn't really something that Rob and I thought we wanted to do on our own. So we reached into our network and got 20 fantastic people from some of the greatest companies in insurance and technology, all of whom, by the way, with one exception, are corporate members. We sent them a bottle of wine and we asked them for their views on the future. And now, thanks to the power of Zoom, we are bringing you our crowdsourced and curated forecast for 2021. Well, frankly, I reckon the quality of insights we got in one hour would have taken a month or two if part of a more traditional consulting research project. And of course, for you, it is free. What follows are the edited highlights, but look out for some consistent themes coming throughout this. You're going to hear about the power of platforms, the move to more risk management, as well as underwriting. Uh, we're going to be talking about a real shift, at what we expect to see coming in the year ahead related to climate change, both the measurement and action around that. Parametric insurance gets a few mentions as to cyber risk and collaboration and acquisition between insurtechs as well as some more traditional insurers is going to increase. And finally, we're going to hear about the threat to insurance by one of the largest companies in the world. That looks to be ever more real. Well, thanks to John Needham and his colleagues at PKF for sponsoring. John kicked off with a topic that is close to all of our hearts. I've had a number of clients start to talk to us about frustrations over um, lack of ability to integrate with some of the new tools that are, are coming out, um, you know, some of those part of, of this community, and the genuine frustration that they are having to choose a mainstream platform to play it safe. Well, we moved on then to two of the world's largest reinsurers. First up, Charlie Burgess. And following the recent restructure of Munich Re Digital Partners, Charlie has been promoted to CEO of Munich Re Specialty Group International Business. That now includes their marine, energy and specialty book and also the Munich Re Digital Partners activities outside of the US. Now, Charlie's line is a bit choppy here, but his predictions are rock solid. So I think about catalysts that happened in 2020 without doubt, is the trusted insurers being tarnished by the response to BI claims. Uh, this is all down to ambiguity and wording. What I believe will happen is it'll be an acceleration in the development of, of parametric products uh, in the use of sensors and in the data it provides. I think this will increasingly be addressed to the SMU commercial markets, and I think it will manifest in more non-indemnity products, uh, more IoT advisory services, and more analytics and advanced analytics as a service. Now, Charlie's next point is really interesting. UK insurers have been criticised recently for increasing premiums for their existing clients whilst giving more favourable prices to their new clients, a practice known as price walking, which the FCA, that's the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, is clamping down on now. Second prediction would be uh, that the FCA review into price walking will result in a race to win new customers until the regs are put in place, but from that point on, I think we'll see a switch which will become, in effect, 
customers, I think, increasingly will lend themselves more towards trusted non-insurance brands or insurance brands. If it's non-insurance brands, I'm predicting acceleration in digital B2B2C players. And that could easily be through either sort of retail outlets or through platforms or ecosystems. It doesn't really matter. And here comes one that we're all watching carefully and is very close to Robin's heart. Blueprint 2 at Lloyd's of London was definitely a deeper thought process uh, and in many parts of it I quite liked. And it's definitely a step in the direction. And in fact, I think it's essential for Lloyd's survival. But I would predict the following. Progress in Blueprint 2 execution will be slower than planned. Uh, I think we might well be looking at Blueprint 3 this time next year. I think also there will be a flurry of automation or digitalization amongst the Lloyds and London market players, both addressing the plumbing and uh, digitalization in whole or most likely part of some of the more complex risk products. Well, thank you, Charlie. Making a prediction that Lloyd's infrastructure development might uh, go slower than anticipated was a safe bet. You may not be the only one who goes down that route. Well done, you. Thank you very much for joining us. Next up is Ruta Mitterskaiti, Head of Solutions for UK and Ireland at Swiss Re. Uh, now, Swiss Re joined us as corporate members in 2020. And actually, you can see the interview with Ruta at the website. Next year is still going to be, be a fairly difficult year, but I think that it will also force people to think about big problems. And first of them is probably climate change, right? A lot of activities in the climate change. I actually predict that um, we are going to see a reduction in price of electric vehicles. Firstly, maybe uh, going down slowly, but then very sharp drop. I predict that 25% of this panel members might have an electric vehicle next year. So either lease one or own one. I think that abundance of data sets may lead to some really innovative um, insurance solutions, especially in business interruption or supply chain space. Well, did you catch that? Ruta reckons that 25% of us will be driving electronic vehicles next year. Well, we just need to come back to our panelists in 12 months and see whether she was correct on that one. But her last point is also worth noting. We've all know about the large volumes of data around us, but Ruta picks up two areas of insurance that so far have generally proved really hard to model and underwrite. That's business interruption and supply chains. So next up on our virtual stage were our consultant friends, firstly, Chris Payne, partner and head of technology for UK insurance at EY. Now, Chris picked up on this theme about technology challenges. Lots of hype, I think we've all seen for a while now, coming over from the US around usage-based products, you know, paper mile, for example, in motor. We're actually going to see some genuine disruption in 2021. There's a definite theme of most of the major players that we're talking to or working with are trying to accelerate their innovation activity, coming from different places in the market. In terms of enabling that, you're going to see uh, what I call a two-speed architecture model. You've got people trying to move towards a core platform transformation, but actually they're waking up and realizing that they want something lean and mean where they can stand all these ideas up quickly, test them, and then decide how they want to launch, whether through that platform or, or through the main platform. The ability to go lean and mean is going to be a recurring theme. We've had quite a few predictions in from the public around that theme too. Nigel Walsh, Global Future of Insurance Lead and Partner at Deloitte Digital, is, of course, well known for his views on insurance and is going to be making his own forecast shortly. Uh, he's been a previous guest of ours, episode 81. So back to Robin. You can now get for free what Nigel's prediction is going to be. Will you give us a world exclusive to your best prediction then, please? 
I will. I'm not sure it's exclusive because I've been banging on about this for a while. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to tell you, next year we are going to fall in love with insurance. <laughs> and you're all laughing and smiling because we all love it. Every one of us on this call, all 100 plus people, I'm sure, that will listen to this and many more, will sit there and go, we love insurance. We love, we love what we do every single day. Yet when I speak to people outside the industry, all I get is, we don't care enough. I'm not interested. And I'm done with it. And it's every one of our jobs now to start to get people to care about it more and more. So my prediction is the BI case has woken everyone up. It put us all on the back foot to go, it's all your fault, your insurance people, you're taking money off of us, but you're not covering us. Well, you never looked at your wordings because there's 105 pages. So we're going to fix wordings finally. We're going to make them easy to read and easy to understand. We know as an industry we've paid out hundreds of millions of pounds on wedding, event, travel, business interruption. We covered Wimbledon. We couldn't be any more British if we tried, right? So we've done it. It existed. So we're going to get much better at uh, communication, um, much, much better at engaging people. We had emails from our hairdressers going, you can't come in because we're COVID locked down. But we had zip nothing from our insurance people. So that's all going to change. I mean, everyone wrote to us, but our insurance people, anyone you ever gave an email address to. So we're going to look at brand, reputation, and trust. We're going to start educating at a much younger age because the knock-on effect of that is, of course, my last prediction, great new talent. Because then they learn about self-driving cars, AI, drones, all the cool things that we enable and nothing moves without. It's a full circle. And ultimately, that will end up with more educated and informed buyers. So at the end of all that, we are totally in love with insurance. I'm going to hashtag love insurance, and, and you're the ombudsman for 2021. Well done you, Nigel. Thank you. And it was back to me to pick out the baton for our third consultant of the evening. Glenn, welcome. One of our most recent members. I was very pleased to see that your colleagues have sent me an email, Chase, reminding to invoice you. I don't know if that was in connection with you being worried <laughs> You wouldn't get your wine for tonight. But uh, as a partner at PwC and responsibility for innovation, InsureTech and insurance, love to hear what you're going to be seeing in, in 2021. Obviously, there's you know, the, the standard stuff around being more digital, transitioning to cloud, proper utilization of data analytics. I think those are givens. They've been trends for many times, for many years. However, one thing that COVID has shown us, as it has for everyone in regards to reality, reality check that we've had, um, is that insurance has a really important social purpose. Uh, and I do think the social utility of insurance and its purpose will play a much more significant role going forward. People have a different definition of risk now as a result of the year that has been. Uh, and so that's linked to my first prediction, which is around experience and service. The traditional function of insurance as a risk transfer mechanism is still essential, but customers are looking for much more. Services that are aimed at risk prevention, as well as other value-add services, such as whether it be boiler servicing, energy bill, usage reduction, home repairs, petrol deals, um, Uber, Airbnb partnerships will become much more prevalent in regards to services and products that insurers offer. Customer stickiness will be everything in 2021. I spent 14 years of my career in Australia, so I often look east um, and you look at what Ping An are doing in China um, in regards to platforms. It was mentioned previously, you look at WeChat, you look at Grab, you look at Line. And I think the next prediction for me is we are moving much closer towards that platform economy that is so prevalent in, in the Far East.
everyone wants their time back, their convenience, everyone gets that. And tech plays have very much shown us how to do that. Platforms will start to dominate much more and an insurer's ability to integrate to these platforms will become the key essential ingredient for successful 21. InsurTech Gateway is increasingly well-known as an investor and incubator for early-stage companies in insurance. Uh, You can find out all about them when I spoke to co-founder Stephen Britton. That's on episode 102. But now let's hear from Robert Lumley. Robert, you're one of the the founders or co-founders at InsurTech Gateway. And last time I heard, you had something like 500 companies approaching you with great ideas, or at least some of them were great ideas because you invested in them. But you're, in a sense, at the kind of leading edge of what's new from the innovation side gives you a kind of fresh perspective of what people are looking at insurance from the outside. Uh, so I'm sure some of your predictions are going to be that, but just great to hear what you're seeing happening in uh, 2021. I guess we kind of look at it as, rather than predictions, I'd probably look at it as direction of travel. And uh, if we look at where we've been, I think everybody's explained exactly what's been happening and we know where that is. But what we're thinking is going to happen, we're into the what we're saying is the maturation stage, Uh, We've had different stages along the way, particularly with the IPOs this year. That's obviously created a a whole load of hype. We think there will be some very large money coming in next year, probably on the back of platforms that we've already heard about, but uh, it could be more IPOs following and then more money coming into the insurtech space. So I've really only really got one uh, prediction, if you call it that, is that we we think we'll see more money coming into a much more mature insurtech space next year because people really are now very serious about it. Great. Well, you're going to make one bet. I think make one that has got a pretty high degree of certainty around it. And I, I mean, I think when you talk about IPOs and money coming in, it's of course a reminder that some of the, the more traditional capital is coming in as well, which is sort of always useful to compare that to what's coming in in the more insured tech space. But no, Robert, thanks very much. And thanks for your support. So we're going to go to Haley now. Haley uh, runs Innovation at Chaucer. I just have two. I think de-globalization will continue to prevail. And I guess... You know, we just had a major international health crisis and all of us ran back to our respective corners to deal with the problem in an isolated manner. I think that'll also manifest across the supply chains um, from a goods perspective, but also from a people perspective. I think we'll see fewer people moving across borders and yeah, obviously people continuing to buy local. And, and, and I think that there'll be winners and losers from that and it'll be quite lumpy as I think most things in life are. Uh, And then the second one is democratization, especially in the workplace. Um, I think that's driven by two main things. I think that's driven by COVID, people seeing their CEO in a t-shirt every day, but also from ESG, I think that people are starting to realize that ESG isn't just a corporate philosophy, but it's a personal philosophy. And we can elect to use our money and to use our power and to use our voice to support the things that we care about, um, whether that's environmental or people or governance. ESG is environmental societal governance for those that don't know. Well, Chaucer is one of Lloyd's syndicates that has been very active in supporting new initiatives this year. And Brit is another one. Our very own Paolo Kuma spoke to us next. Uh, something I certainly hadn't heard about, but could be a looming threat for insurance. HDDT or Harvest Today, Decrypt Tomorrow. So Paolo, I don't think you need any introduction but if, for those who don't know, Paolo is head of strategy at Brit and one of the founders and directors of Instat London. And Paolo sent us a 30-minute prediction, uh, which you've now got to distill down, Paolo, into, uh, into two and a half minutes. So you can either do it very fast or just choose one and give it to us. Thank you, Matthew. I'll, I'll go with choosing one. Um, so I'll predict that the next year we'll be talking about quantum computing. Now, importantly, I don't think this is because we'll be using quantum computing for improved pricing, for predictions of 
nat cats or anything, because frankly, that's four, five, six or more years away. I think we'll be talking about it for uh, something that's called HDDT, uh, which is Harvest Today, Decrypt Tomorrow, uh, Dark Cyber Attack. So essentially, um, these days, our, our cyber cover is very good at sort of kicking in when someone steals some data and either tries to sell it or just releases it out there. And, um, you know, the, the cyber insurance is essentially doing its job from that point of view. Um, the, the concept of Harvest Today, Decrypt Tomorrow is let's take um, confidential data that, that can't be easily uh, decrypted now, um, but may have some value in five, eight, ten years time. Let's quietly steal it. Let's store it away somewhere. And in those five, eight, ten years' time, once quantum computing as a service, so another buzz phrase for you, uh, QCAS, quantum computing as a service, because the, the baddies won't need to buy quantum computers. They'll just buy per-the-minute usage from IBM or someone. Um, and then they could decrypt that data in the future. And why I think that's um, relevant for the insurance industry is because essentially uh, cyber insurance is more or less a, a short-tailed class. Um, this concept would actually potentially turn cyber insurance into a, a long tail class, which um, could completely turn the, uh, the entire approach to it on its head. So I predict that we will be discussing that next year. A fascinating uh, relevance of quantum computing beyond just the theoretical. Um, thanks. Well, so Robin, back to you and your team now for the next section. Well done for setting uh, a trend, for sort of rattling through. I have this sort of idea that the consultants, you know, so used to be paid for their time that they went over, whereas, whereas people in insurance are really <laughs> their time. Show, show them how it's done. Peter Killian is on the innovation team at Talbot, our third Lloyd syndicate of the evening. Our big prediction for 2021 is that there's going to be an intense and renewed focus on climate change and responses to it. And that's because of a number of factors combining, um, such as a dramatic demand-driven fall in oil price, um, continued drop in the cost of renewable power generation, and renewed government focus and investment on the climate change agenda, um, which is going to lead to significant impact on oil companies, such as falling share prices, divesting of assets, stranding of assets. Um, you know, Shell wrote down, I think, something like 22 billion in assets this year, um, which is just an initial signal of what's to come um, with this great shift away from fossil fuels to reduce emissions. Um, there's going to be a rise in new companies, um, renewables, utilities, carbon capture, electric vehicles, which Ruta mentioned, um, and the insurance impact um, is going to be across the board. Um, so it's going to impact existing portfolios, new industries, new clients, new activities, new risks, new customer expectations that we're going to need to respond to. I like it. And is Talbot working on how to ensure renewables and, uh, and the industries that spawn from that? Yes, funny you should mention that. That is uh, something that we are working on at the moment. Next up, Jenny Williams, Portfolio Optimization Director at Convex. Now, Convex itself was only founded in 2019, started with a healthy $1.7 billion of underwriting capital. Now, Jenny herself is a longstanding friend of ours and a big supporter of innovation and early stage companies. Everything I do seems to be around data. And these predictions are based on recent experiences in our commercial and specialty line space. And somewhat amplified by the recent news that S&P have bought IHS market um, in a $44 billion deal. Um, and IHS, uh, I think so probably we don't, many of us may not know it, but they supply a lot of our data and a lot of data to the insure techs that we work with. I think we'll see more partnerships and acquisitions in the data ecosystem space 
Um, we are seeing lots of different companies offering different variations of data on different assets and their risks and perils. Um, I know a couple of the Instet London favourites, ET Value and Hazard Hub, seem to be doing pretty well in the US, for example. Um, but ultimately, we know that each specific data set requires expertise to collect and curate so that it is useful. Um, but I think it's going to be clearer in 2021 that more of a one-stop shop could well be uh, more effective and palatable to carriers. Um, these kind of targeted partnerships may help reduce the offering overlap that we're seeing um, while expanding the breadth um, of useful data uh, that's available to us. My second prediction is that I hope uh, and that we will start seeing some real progress in the very hard space of commercial and specialty lines submission ingestion. Um, and we're not just talking about ingesting standardized ISO forms, we're talking about the really funky, messy, merged cells, multi-tab, complex risk details that require real expert interpretation that are contained in statements of values, loss runs, engineering reports, etc. Um, we're starting to see some real proof, proof points um, and progression in the space. Companies like Eigen, Groundspeed, EY, uh, Expert AI, Accept are all leading the way. Um, but any progression here really requires um, a committed collaboration between the tech um, and insurance experts. So it tends to be largely iterative, as we've been finding. Um, but it feels like we're at a tipping point uh, that it might be seriously commercially viable next year. WACAM was our next Lloyd Syndicate, uh, one of the more recent entrants into the market. And Robin is talking to Serge Carell, UK and Ireland manager. So on, on top of changing your name, La Parisienne to WACAM, you've built your new technology. You've, you've kind of set yourself up as a digital insurer of choice. So, so what does a digital insurer of choice in London expect to see in 2021? So what we uh, expect is an increase of the, uh, the e-commerce share in, uh, in retail. So we oh, I expect that uh, this, uh, this share will reach about a third. Uh, and uh, before it was expected to reach this kind of level in 2024. So of course the COVID impact has, uh, has made these, uh, these fundamental trends quicker. And uh, what is uh, perhaps surprising is that it's rich, it concerns all kinds of products, uh, including uh, luxury goods, cars, so who would have imagined that you would buy a car from, uh, from the internet? Uh, but that means that now it happens. And the impact of that is that the, uh, there are many uh, platforms and, uh, and brands who are going to, uh, to sell uh, insurance products and mainly by embedding them into the, uh, the purchasing process. And that will create opportunities for new entrants. And the good thing about that is that it's going to, I think, reduce... Uh, the insurance gap. So people apart from car insurance, people are under uh, insured and, uh, and uh, by uh, making the, the customer journey uh, simpler, making the, uh, the service or the insurance service uh, more relevant to especially younger generations, it will make people uh, better insured. Thank you very much, Serge, for joining us. Time to hear from a broker. Uh, <laughs> Christian, how does a wholesale broker who's just been bought by a massive great. Now that you've got all this money, where, where are you going to where are you going to spend it? Christian Kitchen is head of innovation and technology at Miller, and Miller's has just been bought by a private equity fund and Singapore's sovereign wealth fund. I think that all predictions are wishful thinking. Lloyd's is going to crack it. Blueprint Two is going to absolutely uh, be exactly what we've always wanted. 
core data record and the digital spine is going to be the, the very framework that all of us build our new solutions on. I think the agile organizations out there, your more agile brokers, are going to leverage that core data record and that digital spine to build out the solutions and the end-to-end journeys that we've all been waiting for. I think also it's going to enable a lot of the more forward-thinking technology folks out there and the real insure techs who have spent a lot of time building commodity stuff to really start focusing on groundbreaking solutions as opposed to, you know, continuing to solve the same problems that we keep focusing on. But I think the thing that's going to drive all of that is that come into Q1, hopefully, we've left our Zoom nightmare uh, and this COVID fugue that we've all been a part of for so long. I think, I think there's going to be a real energy and enthusiasm informed by this, you know, that we've still been able to do this, this digital interaction that technology has helped us. Uh, and I think that's going to be the thing that really pushes us over the edge. Christian is part of the Lloyds of London Blueprint fan team. Uh, Good for you. Well, you know, if we're cynical forever, it's never going to happen. And I think, you know, really each of us have a part in making sure that we try and push that forward, don't we? At Instech London, we're writing a report on the current state of platforms, where they are, not, not, the, not the out there platforms, but the kind of stuff that Lloyds in, 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 the, in the insurance market currently trades on. And, and we are going to be as supportive as we possibly can in that, because as you rightly say, undermining everybody else's initiative doesn't get us very far. I stepped in to rescue Robin at this point and turned to Andy Yeoman, the CEO and founder of Concerus. Andy, you've just announced a digital underwriting platform on the heels of one of the other syndicates on this call, but great to hear what you're seeing in uh, 2021 as one of the, uh, I guess, a long-standing and survivors in this insurtech world. We've seen market entrants come into the space this year, the likes of Key, etc. cetera. Uh, and our, our belief is that the, the technology that's powering these uh, sort of solutions is going to improve, uh, and ultimately it's going to create uh, predictability in the outcomes. And that's going to drive uh, a whole series of technology-fueled market entrants. So these are companies that are going to come in, they're going to be powered by, by the algorithms. They're going to, those algorithms are going to replace the work, whether it be submissions or some of the underwriting decisions. We're going to see uh, those move from follow syndicates to lead syndicates. Uh, and in, in doing so, what those organizations are going to do is create investable asset classes because they'll ultimately have a predictable yield. And probably not next year, but in, in, in creating a predictable yield, that may have the unfortunate impact of uh, unlocking sort of trillions of dollars of pension funds money to suddenly come into the space. Well, Conserus is best known for its analytics for marine underwriting. They've now got over 20 clients and are moving into commercial auto and fleet. Andy's referring here to the key syndicate launched by Brit earlier in 2020. That's the algorithmic trading syndicate you may have heard about. Uh, and that point about capital coming into the insurance industry from outside is definitely worth noting. Already happened in the ILS, that's the insurance-linked securities market, which has about $100 billion of outstanding bonds, mostly related to natural catastrophes. Moving on, Mark Gagan is well known for his time as executive editor of Insurance Insider, and today you can hear him as host of the Voice of Insurance podcast. My plan would be to throw a little bit of an eddy into this great torrent of positive river of insure tech flowing to this paradise sea down in the tropics somewhere. Um, we've got a hard market. So in my world, a lot of the people who 
would have been your allies, your entrepreneurial, really experienced people, perhaps angel investor types, sort of people who come sit on your board, that kind of thing, people of a certain age. And they've disappeared because they've literally gone on the stock exchange and just raised themselves a billion dollars. So their headspace is going to be full of actually trying to make real hard money today in a hard market, which hasn't come around for, you know, which is, has been 14 or 15 years in the making. So that's a bit of a negative that you might not get their attention. The difference between other waves of startups, let's say in 20, 2001, we had a wave of startups, 2005, we had a wave of startups. But this time, that, so it's been 15 years since we had a wave of startup companies with greenfield technology, no legacy. So the difference with those people, you, the, the class of 2020 and 2018, 2019 in Convex, for example, are being able to build direct comparative expense advantage for the first time, which wasn't really available and to the same extent in 2005 and 2001. But actually the core of the insurance market is still going to be your friend because they're so, they're not nimble in that sense. They decided that they wanted to digitize three or four years ago and they've actually finally starting to get around to doing it. And they're not going to stop doing that because they're, they're not nimble. So they're going to carry on doing what they're doing. And I'd say probably one quick thing, I think, you know, after the IPOs this year in, in, in the US, we've got to have a billion dollar IPO, UK InsureTech IPO in 2021. We turn back now to another successful company from the last few years, Cybercube, one of the leading cyber catastrophe modeling organizations. And Rebecca Bowl is head of industry engagement. I think we'll see a, a step change next year in sort of the maturity of the cyber insurance market. There are both push factors and pull factors that are associated with um, you know, developing a new market. And I think you know, some of the push factors around cyber insurance is that you know, it is one of the fastest growing um, classes of business. Despite some of the losses that are starting to, to build, you know, there is still uh, profitability and um, a path towards long-term profitability for this market. We're talking to and, and, and facilitating conversations um, you know, between the market, uh, the insurance market and regulators and rating agencies right now. And I think you know, there's a real shift in attention there among those uh, regulatory organizations uh, towards the catastrophic potential of, uh, of insurers growing their cyber exposures and, and building these, these portfolios of cyber risk. So I think, you know, as they start to turn their attention there to build some governance structures, to develop out stress tests, I think they're going to be asking much more pertinent well-informed questions. They'll really be probing um, into how the industry is developing cyber insurance. And I think that's going to really shift the maturity of that cyber insurance sector and, and, and give it uh, some real robustness for the longer term. Paul Prendergast is co-founder of Blink Parametric uh, and a recent guest also on episode 113. And Paul's been shaping his business to address the challenges of the last few months. We're now in the in the business interruption space great to hear Ch charles at the start of the session talking about parametric helping to uh build back some trust in business interruption that's what we've just launched we're working with busy now in the u.s market and that's super exciting and through the lloyd's lab so yeah i think parametric is has it's not the solution for everything but it's certainly got a a place to play parametric going mass market would be prediction number one the second one is lots of m a activity when you see 
some of the big insure techs are going to be some of the big buyers for next year. You know, Hippo bought Spinnaker and Shelter, Zigo bought Drivet, Next Insurance bought Juniper Labs. Those guys are built to move fast. And I think the big incumbents will have to move fast to, if they want to get their hands on good insure techs. I think it's, that's going to make it very, very interesting. Tons and tons of money in insure tech to 2020. Lots of people licking their chops, SPACs, you name it, you name it. Everything's going on. I think it's going to be a lot of consolidation as well. The big guys are going to get bigger. It's been an interesting year. Great, great to get to the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, well done. And uh, SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company, I think, or something That's it. pretty close to that for those who, who uh, like their acronyms. Robin, back to you to take us up to the end. Ben, you've had a very good year. You've raised a lot of money and you've come a long way. Well, this is Ben Rose, one of the founders of reinsurance platform Riskbook. Now, Ben's a former underwriter and also a broker himself and another long-standing supporter for Instec London and now one of our most recent corporate members. Unsurprisingly, our prediction is related to reinsurance, as that's all we do uh, at Riskbook. Uh, and it is actually around challenger brokers this year. I, I think if 2020 was the year in the garden uh, for almost every broker of, of repute in the market who's sort of been recruited by these challenger brokers uh, following the Aon and Willis and, and Guy Carpenter and JLT mergers, we're really looking at 2021 as the year that they reappear. Uh, they got a bit of a challenge, so they've recruited all of the, the star players, uh, which is a great start, but they really need change. And the need for change is really good for reinsurance innovation. So my prediction is that challenger brokers are going to be really good for reinsurance innovation in 2021. I think a lot of this stems just from sheer size. So even though we've got you know all these new brokers, the Tigers, the Beach, Acrishaw, Capsicum, Gallagher, Lockton, McGill, BMS, Hyperion, Steadfast, etc., all these guys are still really, really small compared to the big two. Uh, and so because they can't replicate a lot of the things the big two have, they've got to think digitally. They've got to think about how they can use innovation. So if you can't build an enormous global office network to get access to your clients, you've got to stay in the garden to some extent and use digital means of you know, communicating with your teams. If, you're, uh, if you can't have this classic six-person account team to look after a single client, you're going to have to start exploring automation. Uh, in order to handle those bigger deals and all the analytics around them with a much smaller team. Uh, and similarly, if you're going to un- unseat these these big brokers from the deals without the traditional client entertainment approach, assuming you know we're still banned from dinners and, and wine and so on, uh, you're going to have to do something and bring something new to the table uh, to persuade anybody away during those RFPs that already happen pretty rarely. Uh, so we're, we're watching very closely as, as these brokers uh, start to move a bit faster and spin up partnerships uh, with startups and with students to uh, bring that digital service that's really been missing uh, from the reinsurance ecosystem for quite a while. So uh, maybe 2021 will be the year that we have brokers uh, willing to do anything, even embracing insurtech. Uh, and maybe the big two will be forced to take action as well. So uh, fingers crossed for an awesome 2021 for reinsurance innovation, thanks to these challenger brokers. Thank you. That's an element of wishful thinking in there, potentially. Digital is about doing things better, not doing it the way we did it, but digitally, but about looking at how it can make you fundamentally better than, than the way that we did it in, in an analog era. Um, well, well, good luck. Flock is another widely known success story, originally focusing on insurance for commercial drone operators, done very well there. Uh, they recently announced an expansion into the broader commercial insurance market, and Kristen Smith is head of sales at Flock. It was a crazy week last week where Flock had a little bit of an identity change. Um, now really kind of taking on our hold as a, a 
insurer for the connected future, if you will, and MGA for the connected future. Um, and that really ties in with our predictions uh, for next year. Ben, you touched on a couple of really important things that really play into our predictions. And that's just like this lack of complacency in the market. Um, customers and brokers aren't going to be happy with the old solutions, with the old way of doing things. Um, so things like, you know, UBI or, um, you know, data-driven or connected insurance aren't going to be quite enough for 2021. We're going to have to take the next steps into exposure-based insurance and really look to kind of move the needle to impact consumer behavior, to impact driver behavior or pilot behavior, to make safer choices. Um, and use big data and, and kind of predictive AI to help them make those decisions. So it's going to be a, a big year for kind of stepping things up a notch in the space of connected insurance um, and really delivering for consumers and brokers in a new and different way than has been done before. Now, as you get towards the end, Nick Pester, who was formerly at Capital Law and now General Counsel for Zigo, also another highly regarded, fast-moving company, and Nick's been doing some research, confirming something many of us have been suspecting for the last few months. So I'm going to go back to something which has been mentioned over and over again in insurance, insurtech. Um, but I think that I genuinely think this is the year that, that it's going to come to fruition, as that, and that is Amazon making their major play on the insurance market. And the reason that I'm saying this is really twofold. I think, first of all, there's um, the, the context that we're in, the particular circumstances that we're in at the moment, which is obviously the pandemic. There's probably nobody within the country now, maybe even the world, that, that doesn't use Amazon pretty much every day. Um, I've done all of my Christmas shopping through Amazon um, this year. They're in everybody's lives. That was always obviously their major intention was pretty much to be, um, you know, the lifestyle platform for consumers. Um, so there's that kind of first element, which is this has always been their, their play. And there's the second part, which is actually comes from kind of piecing together um, some of the things that they've been up to over the last couple of years. They've been very quiet about it. It's been quite below the radar in some respects. You know, the fact that, for example, their European arm um, is licensed for insurance distribution within Luxembourg and they have passporting rights already across the EU. And I suspect that, that they already have applied for um, extended UK permissions to continue um, being able to use those insurance distribution rights within the UK. They're already offering to you accidental damage cover um, on some of their uh, gadgets and gizmos. Um, November last year, they start to provide their Seattle-based employees with in-house health insurance. That game was something that was relatively under the radar, I think. And then this year, they've started to partner with uh, InsureTech Afco in India to offer, offer motor insurance. And most tellingly, I think, um, a kind of gold-plated element of offering Amazon Prime members additional benefits as part of that cover and their, their MD in India said at the time that actually the next step was to expand into health, private hire, interestingly, cabs, and flights and travel. So we're now kind of, we've got to this point where quite, so as I say, quite surreptitiously in the background, they're already present in gadgets, they're already present in health, they're already present in auto, they're now, in you know, they're now looking at travel. And I, I've thought for a long time that it's all part and parcel of a kind of Amazon lifestyle platform which is offered to consumers as a much wider kind of offering to the existing, you know, just buy online type approach. And where ultimately it's going to be plug and play and, and you can pretty much buy all of your consumer needs. You can follow through and actually buy these, uh, these products um, that, that you need as well, these insurance products and have them all in one place. So I, like I say, kind of lots of, lots of little things that have been happening. 
coupled with the wider kind of macro environment at the at the moment, I, I think that this is this is the year where they they really do take advantage of some of the upheaval and change within the market. Well, we've been hearing bits and pieces about this potential move by Amazon into insurance, but really fascinating to hear Nick bringing all the parts together there. And yes, 2021 could be the year it emerges as a single coherent offering. Well, finally, another recent member, Carl Lawless, sales director from FinTech OS, brought things to a close. What prediction have you got for us? My prediction is that the, the age of the large transformation project is, is over rather than insurers committing to the traditional big box solution, which is going to cost tens of millions of pounds. It's going to take you three to five years to deploy. It's going to tie you up. Um, there's suddenly an opportunity uh, to deploy best of breed digital components. So I see insurers now buying, uh, going down the Lego block approach. So best of breed components glued together with automation giving them a cutting edge platform in short order. So I think in five months of lockdown, there was five years of digital transformation. And I only see that accelerating next year. Well, that was fascinating. And it demonstrates the power of bringing together people across the whole community. We have people in there who are building businesses, partnering with other businesses, advising businesses, underwriting, or providing investment capital. And of course, the benefit of doing this kind of thing is our guests bring not just their own experience, but of all the people they've been talking to as well. So thank you to all of our panelists for your predictions. And of course, if you'd like to know more about what we're up to and how we maybe can help you or your business partners promote what we're doing, share your stories, or just tap into what Rob and I are seeing ourselves in the world around us, then please do get in contact, Matthew Grant via LinkedIn, or you can email us as hello at instec.london. And finally, remember what Nigel Walsh said. At the end of all that, we are totally in love with insurance. And back to Robin for the final word. Thanks for joining us. Happy Christmases and we'll see you all on the other side. Mm-hmm.